so many of you um, are familiar with meditation and probably have some particular ways that you meditate. And one of the things that people often find in moving into this style of practice is that you have habits of meditation and that those kind of come up. You know, that you, um, you find yourself paying attention to the breathing, you know, just kind of automatically because that's what you do when you meditate. And so um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to suggest a couple of ways to work with that. Um, it's, not a, it's not a bad thing, but it's also, you know, it's also a habit. So it's not sort of a natural, um, it's a natural habit that has evolved, but it's not, um, it's not just paying attention to things as they are because this habit is functioning. So um, I'm going to give you two, two methods. One is a way in which Steve Armstrong, who is another teacher who has practiced quite a bit with Saito Utejaniya, one is a way that he has worked with this particular issue in his uh, practice. And the other is a way that I have found very helpful in my own <coughs> practice. So the, the way that uh, Steve suggests, one of the things he suggests is that when, when you notice that you're engaging in a technique, when you notice that you are doing something in the meditation, trying to you know, pay attention to something in particular or particularly engage in focusing with the breath or perhaps when you open to the attitude and you see, oh, that there's greed there, then you just automatically turn to look at greed. When you notice that there's a technique happening, relax and kind of pick up again on that natural awareness uh, that is apparent when the mind relaxes. So relax and just notice what you are naturally aware of. So essentially relaxing that tendency of that technique. Um, then another way um, that I, I found helpful for myself, um, when I first started this practice, I went to Sayadaw Utejaniya and said, well, when I relax the mind, what is apparent, when I'm not trying to do anything, but what's apparent is body sensations. Well, that's the main thing that I'm noticing is body sensations. And he said, well, you need to consciously turn your attention to the mind because it's a habit that you're paying attention to the body. And so for me, simply relaxing and noticing what's apparent wasn't quite enough because the mind was just landing on the, uh, the body as a, as a place of just relaxed attention. And so what I found helpful was to um, notice the mind's relationship to that habit, essentially. So the way I would begin my meditation would be to let my mind do its thing. You know, it would normally uh, just take in the bodily experience, kind of the whole body vibration was kind of my, my main focus of attention. And when I relaxed and, and started my meditation, that would be what would be apparent. And when I noticed that, that that pattern was uh, operating, I would simply check in to what's my attitude, what's going on right now in the mind around this pattern. And very often I found that the mind was relaxed and calm. 
So that was a way into opening up experience for me, is just simply to check the attitude about that habitual pattern. And, and it was, it was um, opening up actually, in that case, to calmness, to peacefulness. So for me, that was the, uh, the exploration, is just noticing the mind, so essentially noticing the attitude of the habit of practice, the attitude around the habit of practice. So I want to, to take a little bit of opportunity, um, we're going to do some walking in a moment, but I'd like to take a little bit of opportunity to check in and see how that was for you, whether there's any questions, what you noticed. We, we can take a little bit of time now for a little bit of discussion around what, what your experience was in the meditation. So just uh, to uh, pick up on what you were just saying, so this is also my tendency and my habit for many years of focusing on the body. Now there's another thing that I noticed when you offered what you just offered now, which is notice your, uh, what is the um, attitude towards feeling sensations in the body. And another thing immediately for me that comes up is that it's pleasant. Yes. It's so there is sense of actually, you know, subtle pleasure. It feels good and it feels calm and quiet, peaceful, like you said. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also a little bit of perhaps attachment to feeling that sense of, mm -hmm. which until now I never questioned, <laughs> but um, attachment to feeling peaceful, to feeling the flow of sensation, to feeling ground, to feeling in the body, uh -huh. which is a good thing for me, uh, from what I believe. But anyway, it's just... Yeah, you know, it, and this, this is actually the power of this technique, I think, because it really, I mean, it takes us back into our assumptions about how we're meditating and our attitudes about how we're meditating. And it, it, re it reveals, actually, some pretty subtle kinds of, of clinging and aversion that may be operating, that, that have been operating for a long time that we've not really been aware of. So it's, a, it's actually pretty powerful. It's, it's almost like what we do with this checking of the attitude is that it reveals a, one layer of, um, of what's going on in our mind. And then we open up to that. And then after a time, we check in and there's yet another layer and another layer. And there's just layers and layers of these um, attitudes and relationships with experience. And we just peel them back through this exploration of and what's happening in the mind <laughs> and what's happening in the mind to just check in. Yeah. So that's, that's great. Thank you. And I think Zoe had a question. And then... Uh, so what was happening in my mind was pretty constant. Um, you know, just you know, noticing, you know, aversion or, you know, negative mind states and noticing my attitude, which was wanting to push away. But it... It was just so constant um, that if I were not here, I would probably get up and do something. <laughs> <laughs> and and what I inside to get up finally, you know, was doing every once in a while was just like go to my breath. I mean, I just I saw like you know the the constant aversive states 
the wanting to push him away and the wanting to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I was being aware of that, but I'd, I don't know how long I could mean well, so, yeah, I mean, staying with it. Yeah, I mean, it, you have to kind of know that. I mean, um, there is a place for primary object in this practice. There is a place for that. If you find that um, it's, it's hard to stay grounded in what's happening as it is, it's fine to come and settle with a primary object. So coming to the breath is fine. It's helpful if you recognize the tendency to do that if it's happening out of aversion or greed and you know, try to at least acknowledge whether that's happening and see if you can move to that as, as a kind of an acknowledgement of, okay, I'm seeing that I'm getting overwhelmed here or I'm seeing I just can't stand to be here anymore. Uh, so out of compassion for my mind, <laughs> I'm going to come into the breath for a while. So that it's, it's, uh, there will be mixed motivations, you know, but if you can kind of at least incline towards that non-aversive uh, or non-greedy motivation, it will, it will help to settle the mind more. Okay, and, and not to be doing this meditation with a motive or anything, but does it eventually something shift over time? You know, the, the way this practice works, I, at least the way I like to see this practice, um, you know, when we do a concentration practice, when we, we bring our attention to the breath over and over again, we're just coming in and paying attention to this one thing, it tends to settle the mind more quickly than this open style of practice. So the mind gets settled down. Um, but it's like what we're doing in a way is we're ignoring all of those attitudes, all those tendencies towards greed and aversion by just saying, oh, just keep coming back, just keep coming back, keep coming back. And with this practice, um, what we're doing is really getting familiar with our minds. So it settles, but it settles more slowly. So there's an analogy I use, or I like to use around this. It's like when we're doing concentration practice, the way we're settling our minds is like if you've got a jar of muddy water and you want that mud to settle out of that water, concentration practice is like putting that jar of muddy water in a centrifuge machine. It settles it through an activity of a doing. The practice that I'm offering today is more like taking that jar of water and putting it on the shelf. It settles, but it settles more slowly. And what the practice of settling is, is to really get to know the mud really well. So in a way, I look at this practice um, as, a, as a real getting to know your own minds. It's like your mind 101, this practice. In the concentration practice, we can ignore some of those tendencies. In this practice, we can't ignore them. We have to meet them. So it's, uh, it takes some courage to just meet over and over these habitual tendencies. But if you can look at it as a, this is actually the practice. This is the getting to know this really well as it settles is the practice. It's not what we do in order to get to something else. And the, you know, as we um, pay attention to, um, 
you know, so we, we get really familiar with our habits and patterns. We get familiar with our minds. That's one benefit. And also, we start to see... Um, we can start to see the kind of impermanent nature of those experiences. We can see the cause and, cause and effect nature of those experiences. So we're actually developing some wisdom through looking at these difficult experiences in and of themselves. Now the insights that happen around insight meditation practice have to do with understanding cause and effect, have to do with recognizing impermanence, with recognizing how unsatisfactory things are to hold on to, have to, to do with recognizing that everything is simply a process of flow, that there's nothing, not an entity here, not a thing here, not a thing that is me. It is a process. And these understandings can come out of that process of seeing things settle. We don't have to settle in order to have those insights. So uh, it takes a little continuity of mindfulness to have those insights, but the, 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 that continuity can develop in the settling itself. So we're really looking at the mud here. You know, that's, that's the practice. But again, if it gets overwhelming or it gets to the place where you just feel like, I'm out of here, you know, there, there, you can come back to something more grounding. And I will talk a little bit in the first part of the afternoon about working with the more difficulty, about some techniques um, that Saira Utejaniya talks about with working with more emotional uh, experiences. And in the long run, because I know it's not about getting rid of the mud or trying to get rid of anything, but in the long run, does... Does know, it settle? Does, well, not... Does... In terms of a life or whatever, in the long run, does something shift so it's it, not it so seems much? to? Okay. <laughs> is there a purpose to living with? The well, life? the purpose is towards the, the the wisdom, the understanding, and that understanding will, um, you know, when we really begin to understand how our minds react to things and, um, you know, the kind of forces at play. When the mind sees that those things start to happen, you know, it's like the mind has, has spent much, you know, when we spend our time paying attention to these patterns and habits a lot, we really get to know that they are suffering. You know, we get really familiar with the fact that this is not a happy place to be. And so as, as time goes on and we start to see how these patterns come into being, then we, we may get to the place where we actually start to see Oh, I can see the mind is kind of heading in that way. And when that starts to happen, when we can see the causes and conditions coming together to lead us towards those habits, when we have spent the time uh, observing and knowing the suffering of those places, the mind begins to naturally say, I see where I'm headed, and I don't think I'm going to go there. The mind will do that. We don't actually have to stop it. It's, the, it's kind of the educational process of this practice, you know, and this practice in particular, because we aren't settling uh, with a concentration style of practice. We really get to know our habits and patterns of mind really well and really get to know that they are suffering, that they cause us stress, that they cause us unease. And that is part of the education. You know, that is part of what allows the mind to begin to let go of it. So you're saying that at some level, on an, 
not unconscious, but on a deeper level than the part of us that says, oh, I don't want to go there, but can't stop it, the, the mind itself by being with it somehow. It it's learning. Learns yeah, not it's to learning. Go there. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And then I think um, Karen and then Marsha. <clears throat> um, so my mind did drift off several times, either tiredness or spaciness. And, and I appreciated what you had mentioned about um, that sometimes there's a balance of mind with that awareness, uh, with the moment that I, I became aware that I had drifted off. Because it did seem some of the time that my mind was balanced and that made it easier to just accept it without approach or avoid. But uh, <clears throat> the second thing is what you had mentioned about when it did, um, when I realized, or when I seemed to be aware, I think that it felt good, the, the subtleness, the being settled of the mind. It, it was kind of a gratefulness because I haven't had, uh, because of a certain situation, I haven't been doing my practice as much as I want to. Um, and it was, it just felt so good to be here in that. But then I saw right away that there was this approach and clinging and I really want this. So could you say a little more about where to go with that? So when you notice the, um, the clinging, essentially what you, you, you saw the, that you liked this, the settledness, and then you notice that there was a kind of wanting to hold on to it, just notice that that's what the mind has done with this. There's nothing particularly to do about it other than to just allow that to become part of the field. No, don't worry about trying to do anything with it. It will let go of itself if you just simply observe it. I mean, there's this kind of way that, that I've, I've recognized this practice a lot. Um, it's a way it feels to me. Um, and I've been trying to get a, way, a, a clearer way of describing this. It's like when I see some kind of aversion or greed of reaching or of reaching toward or away, it's like there's an energy to that reaching toward or away that's already happening. You know, that's already come into being. It's already doing its thing. And if the mind can simply reflect that, so again, using this mirror analogy, so, you know, just that mirror of mindfulness to reflect that, it's almost as if what it feels like is that the mindfulness just uh, rides on the back of that energy. You know, it's like you just, it's, it's like you don't have to do anything with it, just allowing the mindfulness to, to uh, meet that energy of that wanting or that aversion. And in that meeting, it's almost like it's an Aikido move. You know, it's like that energy of that thing, instead of going towards greed or aversion, then becomes moved into the service of knowing. So it's, it's almost like this little quarter turn of, oh yeah, there's greed, oh. And then just like the mindfulness just goes right on, on it and it just watches it and then what often happens when the mindfulness is just able to meet it without any aversion or resistance to that greed itself, it falls apart. Now, it, if you catch it early in the process, that's, you know, you can watch it actually form and, you know, have the mindfulness pick up on that right away. It will fall apart pretty quickly. If the, if the, uh, the, the greed has been developing for a while, you may have to just, you know, hang out with it for a time. But you don't have to do 
do anything particularly with it. If it gets really strong, um, we can talk, as I said, I'll talk later this afternoon about some ways to work with some of these difficulties when they get really strong. But I don't want to get it too complicated just yet. And then Marsha. And that'll be the last one, and then we'll then go do some walking. So I'm not sure I'm going to be re even reporting what I think happened correctly, but uh, there was a lot of sleepiness and dullness, and I was asking myself, I, every once in a while I would pop out of that and be asking the questions about what am I aware of, whatever those two, you know, I don't even remember. And then I would be into this thing, and now I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking what am I aware of. Mm -hmm. And then it would become like, um, not like grasping, but then looking for something uh -huh. to then be aware of after I was aware of thinking. Uh -huh. So searching is the next thing that arose. Yeah. So you could, you could, I mean, if you, if you find yourself in that space a lot of that, what am I aware of, that kind of searching, you can simply just notice searching is what's happening. Mm -hmm. That's, the, that's what the process that has arisen in the mind in that moment, yeah. is that state of searching. So just what does it feel like for the mind to be kind of yeah. searching? But if you find yourself in that state a lot, just pick something. Just pick, pick something obvious. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, you, if you find that you can notice that state of searching, for, and then it, you know, then it kind of moves into, oh yeah, and there's a sound. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and there's... There's a body sensation, and there's... But, but it, it's not like that comes to me. It's like I'm reaching, looking for, with the, in the searching. It's, it's not that experience of, this, you know, do you understand? The I know that when you get into that searching mode, it's like you reach out and go, oh, there's a sound, yeah. oh, there's a body yeah. sensation, yeah. 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 So can you, can you just notice that that's kind of the movement of the mind? Mm -hmm. um, and if in that space, at some point, you may, if you're just noticing that the searching quality is what's going on, at some point you may notice that there is something that comes to you. Mm -hmm. Kind of surprisingly, oh, oh, actually, there's my butt. There's the sensation of my buttocks on the chair. Or, or there's a sense of calm that came. You know, so, so mm -hmm. notice that searching quality, and at some point there'll be something that arises naturally. And that's kind of the same thing with the, the primary object. If you... If you do use an object to help you settle, you know, at some point in paying attention to that breath or, um, you know, whatever you choose as a kind of an obvious place to rest your attention, at some point you may notice that, you know, you're, you're sitting there paying attention to your breathing and then you notice that somebody sneezes and you're automatically knowing that sound of the hearing. And then you notice that there's... Um, an itch on your finger, and then you notice that your hand is cold, and then you notice, and, and then the mind is just already kind of noticing automatically what it is already knowing. So, um, you know, when you either use, the, use something, if you use something to settle that, like that, at some point you'll start to recognize that there are other things that are kind of spontaneously being known and just allow that to uh, support the movement towards that open style of awareness and, and kind of let go of the need to hold on to that anchor of attention. Does this eventually lead to that thing I've been trying to get 
get to for that feeling of spaciousness, just this open spaciousness? It, it, um, there's different ways that this, that the mind is aware in this natural awareness. And one way is this very spacious, open awareness. Other ways, I mean, it may, the, the mind might be paying attention by noticing this thing really clearly, and then that thing really clearly, and then that thing really clearly. It may not be a sense of open spaciousness. It may be a sense of really clearly knowing, you know, one thing at a time. So I'm not going to say that there's any one way that it looks. What I find with this practice is that the mind gets really fluid. It goes between states of consciousness really quickly. It goes between different styles of awareness really quickly. Um, and it knows how it is paying attention. So it, it, it just becomes, it feels like it becomes more malleable. The mind becomes more malleable and the mind is aware of its malleability. So uh, I do want to have some time for walking here. So I'm going to um, do just a couple minutes of instruction on walking. There's not much to say, actually. Um, when Saito Utejaniya was asked, well, how do you do walking meditation? His response was, I don't do walking meditation. I don't practice walking meditation. I practice awareness while walking. So the focus is on awareness, not on the walking. Many of you who have done walking meditation before are probably familiar with kind of bringing the attention into the feet and paying attention to the movement of the body in the walking. In this practice, we are simply aware. It's the same instructions as in the sitting. Notice that you are aware. Notice what you are obviously aware of. And from time to time, check your attitude. So with walking, there's probably going to be a lot of seeing going on. You know, there will be seeing going on because we have our eyes open. I, I, you, know, just, you can try it for a while just kind of noticing uh, how your mind explores the world of seeing. Uh, if it gets too distracting, if you find in that exploration of, of the, the realm of seeing that your mind is pulled out into seeing and into thought way too much, you can just, you know, narrow down your field of vision, not to not use it, but to not actually let your uh, focus wander quite so much. So walk at a natural pace. There's no need to do back and forth walking. There's no need to do slow walking. You just walk at a natural pace. And I like to encourage people to, for the first few minutes of the walking, explore and see what pace feels easeful. There's usually some kind of pace of movement that the mindfulness can kind of naturally pick up on. And so find that, you know, kind of tune in to the mind and how easeful it feels to walk and to be mindful. And find the pace that feels most comfortable for this process. So start there by kind of checking into ease. And then when you've got that pace of ease, and it may change over the, the walking period, but when you've got that pace of ease, just notice what you're aware of. Am I aware? What am I aware of? What's my attitude? Watch what your mind naturally pays attention to, particularly with the world of seeing. You know, you might notice that your, your mind is kind of taking in a panoramic um, experience of the world of seeing. 
um, you might notice that the mind, that the, that the attention is kind of jumping from thing to thing to thing really quickly. You're looking at that and then that and that and that and that. Or you might notice that your attention kind of lingers on something and then it moves to something else. Now again, this is, this is kind of an exploration of how the uh, attention functions through seeing is similar to the exploration of how the awareness functions in general. Because the awareness can function in many different ways and there's no one right way. I mean, we tend to think that we have to construct a state of mind in order to meditate and hold ourselves in that state of mind. If I get to this state of mind, that's what I need to do. What this practice is about is learning about the various ways in which our mind pays attention and being aware of that. So as you walk, you may notice that you're, you know, in the, the realm of seeing, you may notice that your attention changes. How you are attending to things changes. So kind of pay attention to that as well. And also, you know, it may, um, it may go into your body as well. You know, you may, you may be noticing your feet, you know, the sensations of your feet on the ground or the, the sound that you make as you walk. There's all kinds of um, experiences that a kind of a river of experience that we get into when we walk. So occasionally checking your attitude and checking into your emotional state around the walking. And let's see, it's um, 11.25, so let's walk until noon. So a bell... Well, uh, let's be back in here at noon. So let's have a bell at 11.55. Who would be our, who might, 11.55, okay. So we'll have a bell at 11.55. So enjoy your walk. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.